This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Um, just if you haven't been here for the last 20 Wednesday nights, we've been talking about the Holy Spirit. One of the greatest questions that I can always ask myself, and you need to learn to do this, is this right here. Where is that found in the Bible? Where is that found in the Word of God? Because again, I've got to learn what the Bible says. Not what man says, not what pastor says, but what does the B-I-B-L-E say? And so it's important that you get the Word of God and you start digging in there and find out what it says to you. Now, go with me to the book of Ezekiel, chapter 11. Where is Ezekiel? Uh, The major books, you're going to go through uh, Isaiah, Jeremiah, and then you'll get into Ezekiel. There's some little bitty ones in there. Then also, if you go into Daniel, you've gone too far. So back up and go to Ezekiel chapter 11. Ezekiel 11. You know, my uh, third grade granddaughter, she called me the other day, and she did every book in the Old Testament. I mean, just rattled them. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Joshua, Judges, and then you go to the, the Samuels, the Kings, the Chronicles. Da, 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 da. Now, I'm just going to be truthful right here. For me to be able to do that right now, I would really, really have to concentrate. She rattled every one of them out. I mean, just bam, bam, bam. And so I looked and I thought, it just shows me right there, you can teach the child the Word of God. you got to teach your kids the Word. All right. That's just freak too. Ezekiel chapter 11, verse 19. Listen real close to this. Then I will give them one heart... And I will put a new spirit within them. A new spirit. And I'll take the stony heart out of their flesh. And then I will give them a heart of flesh. Now when he says give them one heart. It's a spiritual and moral transformation that will take place. That it will enable, empower the people of God to serve him. And he said, I'm going to put a new spirit within you. Now, understand, when Ezekiel prophesied this, this was to the future. Guess who's getting to walk in this? Me and you. And what he was talking about, he said, I'm going to put the Holy Spirit within you. Verse number 20. That they may walk in my statutes, keep my judgments, and do them. Now, think about the three words he just said. That you may walk, keep, and do. Now, if I jump back to verse 19, how's that going to happen? I'm going to put a new spirit within you. If you're like me, I used to try to do stuff in my own abilities, and my own powers. And you know what? I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. But something happened when I gave my heart to Jesus and I got filled with the Holy Spirit. He began to empower me. Remember the Lord Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you shall receive power. That's Acts 1.8. And so this is literally what will take place with us. And so if you've ever struggled about obeying, doing, keeping the word of God, it's probably because you're trying to do it out of your own abilities. God never intended that for me. He said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to put a new spirit on the inside of you. So what the Holy Spirit does, he comes on the inside of us and he works from the inside out. He doesn't work from the outside in. He works from the inside. And all of a sudden, something on the inside starts happening, and there's crazy changes in my life, even on the outside. This is what he's talking about. He goes on to say that you may walk in the judgment and do them, and they shall be my people, 
and I will be their God. Now remember, that was all by the Holy Spirit. You know, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit was given as his name implies. Holy. He's sent to help me and you to live a holy life. I don't know about you, I need all the help I can get. Verse 21. But as for those whose hearts follow desire for the detestable things and their abominations, I will recompense or repay their deeds on their own heads, says the Lord God. Now, in verse 21, he talks about the heart. Everything was about the heart. One heart would obey the things of God. The other heart said, you know what? I'm going to do the things that are detestable in God's eyes. And if I do that, which I can, it's a choice, but understand the last part. He said, I will recompense their deeds on their own heads. He said, there's going to be some punishment for my actions. Now, let's jump into the New Testament to the book of Hebrews chapter 8. Hebrews chapter 8, and as you go there, you'll find out in this passage, this is literally barren witness of what we just read. Where God said thousands of years, he said, I'm going to put my spirit within men. And it'll change the way you begin to act, the way you begin to live. And you know, I, I've said this before in my life. When I gave my heart to Jesus, there were things that he just, through the, the infilling of the Holy Spirit, just literally burned them up. Just burned them up. And you know what? I don't have a problem telling you about my past. One of the things that he literally consumed in my life was the, the, the addiction, the desire for even drugs. As you smoke but dope, oh yeah, we smoke dope all the time till we got born again. And then I got hooked on the real high named Jesus. And I, I tell you this right now, guys, when I got born again, the Holy Ghost came on the inside of me and he just began to, to, just to take that stuff and literally burn it up in me. And it was a shock to me. You know, before you get born again, think about this. You know what sinners do? We sin. Before I was born again, man, I, you know, I had a, a bad mouth. I'd say stuff I shouldn't. God begin to work that out of me by the Holy Spirit. He'll begin to help you if you'll give him opportunity. Hebrews 8, verse 7. For if the first covenant had been faultless, then no place would have been sought for a second. We wouldn't have needed to replace it. And, and guess what? The first covenant was external. It was everything on the outside. It set a standard... But there was no power for us to be able to achieve it. So what was the first covenant? It was the letter of the law. And God said, you will obey this, 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 this. And remember, there were ten commandments. Now, if I stood here and read the ten commandments, how many of us have broke those? All of us. Here's a little deeper question. How many of us broke some of them today? <laughs> and so again, those commandments were external. So you know what God said? I'm going to change them. I'm going to change them from the inside. Verse number 8. Because finding fault with them, he says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant that I made with the fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they did not continue in my covenant, and I disregarded them, says the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind. I'll put my laws, I'll put my word in their mind. Proverbs 23, 7 says, As a man thinketh, so is he. Romans 12, 2 says, Do not be conformed, do not be molded, do not be shaped to this world, 
but transformed, be changed by the renewing of your mind to the word. So he's literally saying, I'm going to teach them the word and the Holy Spirit's going to help them to get where they begin to think on it. And when they begin to think on the word of God, there'll be a transformation. That's why it's important that you read the Word of God because the Word of God, will, it will help transform your mind. It'll change the way you think. Maybe this little illustration will help you. A caterpillar that won't get in the cocoon will never experience a transformation. So you know what that says? I must desire to get in the Word of God. I must desire to begin to not only get in the Word of God, but begin to think on what the Scriptures say. It'll change the way you think. Now, look what he goes on to say. I'll write it in their mind. And I will write them on their hearts. And so when he talks about writing things on my heart, it literally begins to change my desires, but it starts from the inside. It's internal. He said, I'm going to put them in your heart. It's not just going to be an hour. It's going to get on the inside of you. And you know what happens when the word of God gets on the inside of you? You start having huge changes. Remember, uh, Hebrews 4.12 says the word of God is alive and the word of God is powerful and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. So begin to get a hold of the word. But he said, I'm going to put it in their heart. Here it is again. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Now again, it's not from the outside, but it's by an impelling power, the Holy Spirit on the inside. It's not by my strength or my abilities, but it's by the Spirit of God. And so the Holy Spirit gives us a brand new desire. He comes on the inside and and he begins to change the way we do things in a completely different way. Where I just begin to say, Lord, I'm going to surrender to you. I'm going to surrender to the Word of God, to the Scriptures, what the Bible said. Now, go back just a little bit to your left to the book of Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. The Holy Spirit activates my conscience and then he will influence my motives and my desires. Every bit of that. He'll activate my conscience. This is how that'll look. Right before you get ready to tell a lie, there'll be something that'll scratch your heart. Think about it in this sense. Just say you go into Walmart after the service. And you have the thought, I'm going to steal that. And all of a sudden, something scratches on your your heart and says, "Uh -uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. That's how the Holy Spirit begins to activate my conscience. If you remember in the book of John, chapter 16, it says that he convicts the world of sin. He convicts us. He comes in our hearts and says, you don't want to do that. And then guess what? You have the opportunity to obey him or disobey. Philippians 2, starting in verse 12. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, Paul doesn't teach that salvation is dependent on one's continued works. But salvation must be expressed By a change in my morals, a change in my character, and a change in my behavior. Again, I'm not saved by good works. But when I give my heart to Jesus, he starts saying, now you're going to work out salvation. Your life is going to begin to line up with the things of God. 
You're going to see this the rest of the night. He goes on to say in the next verse, For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Not only individually, but a corporate participation where you come to church and you be a part of the church. And some people say, you know what, I can serve God without going to church. You're right. But it's interesting to me, the Lord said, don't forsake the assembling together. He also said the gates of hell won't prevail against the church. Something happens when people join together in corporate worship. Something happens when we come together as the body of Christ. One will put a thousand, two will put ten thousand. And so there's something that goes on when you learn to give, you learn to pray, and you learn to serve within the church. Now, I've been in the ministry for 15 years. And I've seen this time and time and time again. That people that are in church consistently, you know what consistently is? Weekly. I begin to see their lives. It doesn't mean they're exempt from issues, but I begin to see a pattern in their life that their life is so much smoother. But ones who hit and miss when coming to church, I'll stand here before you and before God, I've seen it over and over, that when they're not faithful to come to church, I can tell you it is evident you're getting your tail kicked in life. Thank you. Tell you something happens right here. I believe it's part of this. Man, the Holy Spirit loves to come. He loves to come where the body of Christ is assembled. He loves to be a part of corporate worship. He loves to be a part of the altars when we pray. He loves to be a part of your children getting ministered to tonight, your teenagers. And so that's why it's really big for us to understand what Paul was trying to tell us right here. And again, i got to have some fruit in my life. I want you to look at one more for sure. We'll see how far we can get tonight. The book of John, chapter 7. John, chapter 7. Now, this, this is a passage that, oh, this is good right here. It'll really help you. John 7, verse 37. On the last day of that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me. And drink. So here's a couple questions. Jesus wasn't saying, do you thirst for Gatorade? Would you like a Mountain Dew? Would you like some Kool-Aid? That's not what he was talking about. He was literally talking about, do you thirst for the things of God? Do you thirst for righteousness? Then the next thing he said is he said, come. Come to me. Again, we got to highlight this. Jesus will not force you to do anything. If you want the things in your life, come. And when you come, then he'll respond. That's why even when people get born again and we have altar calls and you say, you got to come down here, that's part of that of surrendering your will to him to say, you know what? I'm going to receive him. I'm coming. So Jesus gives the invitation right here. Come on. If you're thirsty, if you want more of me, if you're not satisfied with the way your life is. Verse 38, he who believes in me, what would that be? That would be salvation. That's how you get born again. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Out of his heart. Now again, Jesus comes into my heart and he begins to change me. But he said, out of our heart will flow rivers of living water. So think about it in this sense. If when you receive Jesus as Lord of your life, 
out of your heart will flow rivers of living water. What if Jesus isn't in your life? Then out of your heart will flow rivers of dead water. Stuff that will not make it eternally, okay? So he says, out of your heart will flow rivers of living water. Now, Jesus here in verse 39, he's going to clarify what he means. Look at it, verse 39. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in Jesus, those who got born again, would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So literally, Jesus said, out of your heart, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. That was the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians 5.18, it says, be filled with the Spirit. The, the exact text of that verse means continually be filled. You're going to need to be filled over and over and over and over again. It's like a glass of water. When I drink a glass of water, I drink it all down. Then I got to get it refilled. It's the same with us spiritually. That as we go through the day, we leak. We lose those things. So each day we come back in the presence of God and say, Lord, fill me back up. Fill me back up, Holy Spirit. I need those rivers of living water on the inside of me. I need that continuous flow of the things of God. Now, where did he say that would happen? In my heart. In my heart. Ooh, now we're beginning to get somewhere when you think about all this. This is what Jesus said. Look into the book of Revelation. Chapter 21. Revelations 21. Now, as you're turning there, let me, let me think and let me give you some, some other little nuggets here. He referred to the Spirit as a river of living water. We know in the natural, where there is no water, there's no life. There's no animals, there's no people, there's no vegetation. So think about it then as the sense spiritually. When, when I don't have the water, the river of the living water within me, man, my life is going to be dry spiritually. Spiritually, I'm going to be crusty. Spiritually, I'm going to struggle. Now, this may identify you right now. You may say, man, it just seems like my life is dry. My life is crusty. My life is nothing but a struggle. It's not a joy for me to serve God. I don't have a passion to go to, to, to the things of God. When I come to church, I view it as a, as a, a uh, duty instead of the goodness of God. So, yeah, I get to go to church. You know why I can say all that? I've been there. I've been there where there wasn't a passion within me and stuff. And you know what I realized? I need water. I need the spirit of the living God. I need him to come back on the inside of me and begin to move in my life again. Revelations 21. Begin with me in verse 5. I'm on Revelation 22. Revelation 21, verse 5. Then who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said, Write, for these words are true, they're dependable, and they're faithful or accurate. And he said to him, It is done. It is finished. Jesus has already done it. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the A to Z, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of water of life freely to him who thirsts. Now, it's almost word for word what Jesus said. Right there. Now understand, God finished creation. The Lord Jesus finished the plan of redemption. He died for everyone of his blood was shed. But the Holy Spirit will fulfill all the rest. When you think about the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, 
Father God is in heaven. That's where he's been. The Lord Jesus, we know right now, is seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for me and you. Thank the Lord he's praying. The only acting agent of the Trinity that's alive on this earth right now, the Holy Spirit. Biblically, you can see it over and over again. So he said, I will give of the fountain of water of life freely to him who thirsts. Once again, are you thirsty? Verse 7. He who overcomes or is victorious shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Now, watch what happens here in his wording. He said, but the cowardly. But the cowardly. Every reference that I looked up on the cowardly, it had a tie with people that had received Jesus as Lord of their life, but because of safety, they would rather live by the world instead of the things of God. So when I look at the word cowardly, some of the reference brought it back that when you saw Peter and Paul, the disciples, they spoke the word with boldness. They weren't ashamed of the gospel. And so right here was a huge warning of the cowardly. I believe this personally, that with the Holy Spirit comes on the inside of you, he'll bring a boldness on the inside of you. He'll stir things up on the inside of you. Now keep reading here. The cowardly, the unbelieving, the atheist, the abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstones, which is the second death. Now what am I going to do with that? See, I'm not exempt from that. But it's interesting to me that he threw in that list that word coward. And so as the body of Christ, you're beginning to see more and more, we're going to be persecuted, we are being persecuted. But I'll tell you, the Holy Spirit will help you to hold your ground. Where you begin to look and say, huh I'm not ashamed of the gospel, but I don't do it in an arrogance. I can be loving and I can be kind, but I can be bold as a lion also. Turn one book to, to Revelations 22. Ooh, we got to hurry. Verse 12. Behold, I am coming quickly and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. You know what that means? I'm going to stand before God just like you are. And he's going to reward every one of us for the things we've done or haven't done right here on earth. When it says he's coming quickly, this literally means as long as the era of the Spirit continues until Jesus comes back. How long is that? I don't know. I believe we're in the last of the last days. That's personally, okay? Verse 13. Jesus once again said, I am the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are those who do his commandments. Blessed are those who do his commandments. Guys, this just ties in with everything we said tonight. The Holy Spirit is the one that's going to help me to start obeying the word. He's going to begin to, to awaken my conscience again. And so he says, blessed, blessed are those who do his commandments, that they might have the right to the tree of life. That's heaven. And they may enter through the gates into the city. The only way you get into the city legally is you go through the gates. This is what he's saying. Because of Jesus in my life, I'm going to get to go through the gates. Keep reading. Verse 15. Ooh, get ready. 
but outside are dogs. <laughs> you know who dogs are? It was usually referenced to Gentiles. If you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. So he's saying, outside the gates or outside the city are dogs, sorcerers, those who practice magic and witchcraft, the sexually immoral, murderers, idolaters, and whoever loves and practices a lie. Whoever loves and lives a lie. You know what the, the lie they live is? I don't need the Lord. I don't need it. Keep reading. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the lineage of King David, the bride and the morning star. And the Spirit, or the Holy Spirit, and the bride say, come. Let me help you a little bit with that. The Holy Spirit and the bride, they say, come. Who's the bride? The bride is the church. The church of our Lord and Savior. So right here, to the ones that are outside the gate, the dogs, the sexually immoral, the ones that live alive, the murderers, all the ones we listed, the Holy Spirit is saying, come. You know what the church is saying? Come. You know why? I don't want anybody to die and go to hell. So our goal, as long as we're here on the earth, is we partner with the Holy Spirit right here and we say, come. Come. We don't care what you've been, what you are. Come. Keep reading. And let who him who hears say, come. And let him who thirsts, come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. Again, guys, the Holy Spirit wants to help us. And you know, I've had people say, well, you know what? All, I've got the Word of God. That's all I need is the Word of God. I love the Word of God. And I believe it's a, it's a great resource that God has given us. But how can I overlook all the scriptures, all the statements in the New Testament that pertain to the Holy Spirit? I can't overlook any of those. 2 Corinthians 3, 6 says, The letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. And so all we have is the Word of God, but not the Spirit of God. We get back into the Old Testament stuff, where we try to do things legalistic. Listen to this verse, and I'll end with this one. 1 Thessalonians 1, 5. It says, The gospel didn't come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit. Something happens when I get a hold of the Word of God and I get filled with the Holy Spirit. I tell you, it becomes an incredible combination. And I will highlight this again tonight. The Holy Spirit is a perfect gentleman. The Holy Spirit's not weird. People are weird. The Holy Spirit doesn't do weird stuff. People do weird stuff. And I will tell you this. It irritates the dog out of me when I see people do weird stuff and try to act like it's the Holy Spirit. You may see a fuse lit in me on stuff like that. Because I look and I think, that's not the Holy Spirit I know. He's a gentleman. He's, he's the perfect gentleman. He's the description of love. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.